So we were walking down the park, just, you know, having a casual stroll. And then <laughs> as the policeman approaches us, I trip on the pavement. And I'm, uh, you know, in a crack in the pavement. I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then my mum kind of gives me this look like, don't speak, do not say anything. You got found that 19% of people would use the word feminist as an insult. The 19% are wrong. Feminism isn't an insult, it's a necessity and a movement to be proud of. And we're here to tell you why. Welcome to episode two of the 19%'s five-part mini-series. We're telling one story every single day in the run-up to International Women's Day 2016. Five women, five stories, five episodes. I'm Anya Lawrence. Episode two of five is Donnie's story, or rather, stories plural. She has like a few smaller stories which we've included in this episode. Both of Donnie's parents are Iranian. Donnie grew up in England, but she goes to Iran to visit family there a lot, and she really, really loves it there. You can just hear it in her voice in the way she describes it. It's really, oh, I love it. Like, there's so many things to dislike about Iran, but at the same time, I'm just like, oh, I love it there. I really miss it, I do. I just love, um, like, the way that certain things they do that we don't do here, like the fresh bread, everyone is stone-baked, so good. And then my grandmother always has, like, fresh honey put out, like, organic butter, this, that, that, all along the table. You just, like, literally dip and you just put on the bread and, oh, so good. The food there is brilliant. Oh, and another thing, there's this one restaurant, literally, the restaurant is above this kind of, it's like a kind of canyon and there's like a stream that's running through the, the canyon and it's really scary so you're sitting down in this restaurant and you can see like beneath you like this like stream and you're like oh my gosh I'm gonna fall and obviously they have these kind of big cushion things with like Persian patterning. All of Donnie's stories in this episode are about Iran. Memories and experiences that she and her family have had there as a woman, as someone who's grown up surrounded by culture from both the West and the East. In Iran, it's a, a country that's governed by um, Islam, basically. It's a theocracy. Uh, so you have to wear kind of these, we call them montos, but they're basically like long tunics uh, that cover your arms and should be, you know, knee level. Mine were just above. Um, and I thought I could get away with it, but clearly not. The clip that you heard right at the start of this episode, right at the very start, is, is the story we're going to tell next. In the story, Donnie is 15 and she's wearing a tunic that's slightly above her knee. She's walking in a park in Tehran with her family and then she sees a policeman walking towards them. And she trips. I just stand there, you know, with this huge grin on my face. Um, and he says, and I will translate, um, is this uh, your niece or something? Who is this? And my mum goes, oh, this is my sister. She's visiting from Canada because obviously following the Iranian revolution, we had many Iranians uh, migrate to Canada. Uh, so it's quite common for them to know like where <laughs> Canada is, I suppose. Wait, so she she pretended that you weren't her daughter? Yes. She said that, you know, this is just my... Yeah, because I, I don't know why. I can't remember the reason why it was for... for she said for political reasons. <laughs> she wouldn't tell me. Um... 
And I, I suppose my mum does look quite young, so it would have been a bit unbelievable because people usually think we're sisters. And he said, oh, okay. And I just continued smiling, like nodding along it, yes. And she, he said, does she speak much uh, Persian? And um, my mother goes, no, no, she doesn't. She doesn't speak any Persian at all. She's just here visiting. And I just literally, I'm there like nodding and grinning. It's like, don't nod, Don, why are you nodding? I'm literally just like a Churchill little toy, you know, the, the, you have in the front of your car. <laughs> and he goes, you know, I could fine you. I could, you know, we could um, take you to uh, back to police. Uh, tell her that next time she comes out, I'll let you off this time because she's not familiar with uh, our policies and our rules. But next time, tell her to wear a longer tunic. Literally, it was only an inch above, honestly. And I guess for... Persian women, I am quite tall. I mean, I'm five foot seven, which is not, you know, typically that tall, but over there, the women are typically shorter. So I thought maybe, did I stand out more? I don't know. But that was really, really scary. So they can legitimately fine you. Yeah. For having a tunic which is above the knee. Yeah, it's, the rules there are very serious. Uh, although I have to say that was back in 2011 um, but I have to say at the moment women are typically showing their political positions uh, with the way in which they wear their headscarves so if it's looser it's now popular for you to have your hair down and bring it all forward um, and that shows that you're quite liberalist whereas those who wear kind of the chador which is you know you hide all of the hair and you cover typically the whole body it's not like um, a veil where you only have the eyes showing. It's just like this huge black cloak that shows that you're more kind of in line with the theocratic government. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's great though. For me, it really shows like an, uh, an improvement from kind of previous, you know, Iran back when, you know, the revolution first occurred. I mean, I wasn't alive during then, but obviously going there quite frequently, I have seen myself a change with the fashion. It's not just fashion, it's a statement. Like, this is what I believe in, and I want for the government to improve and change. So I think that's great. Donnie has another story about being a woman in Iran. This isn't her story though, it's her sister's story. Her mum and her sister went to Iran last year in March, but Donnie had to stay in England because she was studying for exams. They actually went to a small village where we have like a small villa, um, so even further north from, uh, north from Tehran, which I think is called Shomal, which is literally a translation of north, I think that's what it means. At some point in the trip, her mother and sister went to a bazaar. I asked Donnie to describe what a bazaar was like. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, so you walk down and literally all the different kind of stands are separated by typically kind of... Um, I think it's like, I remember it all being kind of stone walls, kind of cobbled. And on them they put like really beautiful maybe carpets or sort of like big scarves. And then you'd have one stand that sells sell kind of dry fruits and kind of freshly roasted nuts. Another would be maybe hairbands and sort of general accessories. One would be toys. Uh, it's really beautiful. There's just so much stuff there, despite the kind of government there and those sort of difficulties that we face. I think it's actually a very beautiful country, rich in history and actually quite modern. People don't think that, that, that you know, it's beautiful. I really love it there. 
I'd like to just pause there to apologise for my intermittent coughing throughout those clips. I was getting over a coffee coldy type thing when we recorded this and I literally couldn't help myself. So sorry about that. Anyway, Donnie's mum and sister were in the bazaar and there's a fruit seller. She was kind of peering at this guy because he was selling fruits, um, but in quite a funny way because it was this kind of short little stubby guy, as my mother described, and he was going in, in Farsi, but, uh, Persian, but I'll translate again. He was going, oranges, melons, come and get your pomegranates, this kind of thing. And my sister was looking at this guy like, what is he doing? Um, and, she, <laughs> and when she kind of gives people the look, it's very kind of like the evil stare. She doesn't mean to do it, it just happened. And the thing is in Iran, if you give um, a guy kind of a dirty look, that means you're interested in them. So you're playing hard to get. Whereas over here, if you go to a club and a guy approaches you and you're like, you know, you give them that look, it's kind of like, okay, I'll back away. The fruit seller sees Donnie's sister giving him this look and he cries out, Mashallah! Like, which was basically, oh my gosh, look at this girl. And it's like, would you like a melon? Would you like an orange? And then my sister's like, run. Apparently she hid behind my mom, like terrified of this guy. Um, and she didn't know what to do. <laughs> but that was really funny. It's so interesting that like the, the dirty look, as you put it, like it's so, yeah. so different. Um, for them, it's kind of a look of, like, is it sultriness? Kind of like being sexy almost. Mm, smoldering. Yeah, smoldering, exactly. Donnie has literally endless stories about Iran, endless experiences. How how does it feel when you first go back over there after being in England for a time? That's a very good question, actually, because often, um, now this is something my parents always say, they often feel like they're the outsiders because um, I remember I my mother and I were just watching and it was the 30th anniversary of the Iranian revolution and we were watching loads of documentaries on, on the television and I said to my parents do you do you feel like you belong in Iran do you think that you identify as an Iranian um, you know regardless of you know where you are from you know physically like where you were born and stuff and my parents say you know what we don't feel like we are that Iran is our home nor Britain um, because they moved when they were very young but because they've been here for so long their thoughts are now have been kind of shaped and moulded and more become more westernised. And they're very liberal, my parents, which I'm very grateful for. So for me, I kind of, for a while, I sort of felt lost because despite being born in Britain, I didn't feel like I fit in completely with others because I'm not, Brit like, I'm British, but I'm not English. Um, so for that, for a while, did sort of, it was a huge ordeal for me because to me, it matters how you kind of identify yourself. I'm, I'm not huge on labels, but I do like to have a sense of belonging. Um, I'm not sure why. I think it's just for general security. Um, so I think when I'm over there, going back to the question, I do feel, over time, I do feel more comfortable being there. But at the same time, my mentality is kind of a barrier because the way I think is much different from you know, my family there. So there's certain mannerisms I hold that they're not quite sure. Like, why do I do this? Oh, it's because she's British, it's fine. Um, but it's something I just have to get used to, I suppose. I was having this talk with my dad because I was actually really struggling with this kind of identity thing. And he said, if you look at it this way, you have been brought up with both, both Eastern and Western tradition, which are kind of polar opposite. And he said, think about it. You take the best of both 
which makes you maybe different from others. So he said, don't see it as a flaw or kind of a fault with yourself. See it as a good thing that you've been able to see different parts of the world. You know, not many people know Iran and how the culture is like. It helped me reevaluate reevaluate myself a little because I thought to myself, actually, my dad's right. My dad is right. <laughs> Gender division is a huge thing and they've tried to, I remember like, for example, if you want to take the bus, it's all the women at the back of the bus and all the men at the front, but that doesn't really work anymore, uh, especially with our underground, we, ha we have an underground system as well, um, but now it, it doesn't really matter as much because you know when you have the rush, you know, after you know work is finished and stuff, you can't control that really, can you? So that hasn't really been working um, anymore. But uh, what's that? What's their reasoning for it? Do you know? Basically, to avoid sexual corruption and adultery and all that lot, and to follow the practice of Islam. I think that's literally the reasoning behind it. But I think actually Iran has helped me a lot with the way I think and my liberalism. Because of the oppression many face, education is a huge power, for, particularly for women in Iran. Um, they're always encouraged by family members, you know, do well, they push them really hard and they're very motivated. I've noticed uh, my some of my kind of distant family when I you know you have the odd family gathering they're always like oh yes I'm really studying hard I want to become a chemical engineer I want to do you know go into these sort of more STEM subjects they're encouraged to kind of really push for these high positions so for example if you want to be even if you want to be a judge in Iran as a woman it's really hard because of literally because of your gender um, so for them for me it's really like I'm inspired when I go to Iran I think to myself you know those days you go into uni or college and you're, you're complaining or and you're feeling I literally I just try and think back to when I met my distant I think she was my like third I don't know what she was just like distant cousin um and seeing that kind of like hunger in her eyes like she wanted this I thought to myself you know I have this opportunity of education in, in England we have you know one of the best education systems in the world um, I need to be more grateful for this so for me it was kind of like a what's that word a, a, a kind of a boost a, a, you know an eye-opener so is created and hosted by me, Anya Lawrence. The International Women's Day mini-series has been produced with help from James Goodison and Harry Bowflower. Iona Hampson designed our logo. Special thanks to Lucy Bickley, James Perkins, Ibitism, Ahmed and all of our contributors throughout the series. You can find us on Twitter at The19% and find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 19%. Next time on The19%. I, I actually got the news the 23rd of December and I cried the whole day oh, <laughs> and oh I gosh. thought that's the best Christmas present I could oh. ever dream of.